This is your host, Natalie Allport, and welcome to the All In Podcast. Today's episode is all on mental toughness and mental health. Now, if you've been listening to previous episodes and especially previous guests, you know that we talk a lot about mindset as well as mental health. And you'll see that we talk about things that often people put in completely different camps, mental toughness, motivation, drive, you know, all those things, and then mental health. And I believe that those things go hand in hand, but I know there's still the societal stigma that people think those things are not one and the same. And so since we've talked about, you know, these different concepts and isolation often on the podcast, I wanted to bring them together and share some examples, especially from my own life. I recently had an MRI actually just yesterday that kind of shone a light on this topic and inspired this episode. Now, if you are new here, I just want to remind you to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any of the next episode drops and make sure to follow us on Instagram at the all in project so that you can submit episode requests because every second week we release amazing interviews with top athletes and coaches and every second week as well in between those episodes, we do solo episodes on highly requested topics like this one. So without further ado, let's go all in. All right, I want to start this off by saying that if you are mentally tough, it doesn't mean that you don't also have mental health issues. Because when we look at those things as different, then that puts mental health as weak and mental tough as something different. And I do not believe that at all. If you've listened to the amazing athlete stories that we've had on here, where they talk about being extremely, extremely mentally tough, but also going through mental health issues, then I'm sure you also believe the same thing. If you don't, or if you know someone who don't, doesn't, this would be an amazing episode to send them because I want to really dive into this and talk about where this stigma come from comes from and how it actually is very mentally tough to go through mental health issues. Now, if you don't know my background, I am someone who has gone through diagnosed depression and anxiety and was also an athlete at the top of my game. I competed in the sport of snowboarding and the sport of CrossFit. And I'm someone who from the outside looking in and actually internally as well, that, that also speaks to the stigma I still have. Um, I'm someone who is extremely mental, mentally tough. I do things like crazy challenges, like the 30 day running challenge, the hundred kilometer ski in one day I did last season. Um, pushing myself through CrossFit workouts, through my training, through dedication to my sport, all these different things. However, I'm also someone who suffers from mental health and prioritizes and makes decisions based on protecting my mental health. If you listen to the past episode where we talked all about Simone Biles and the Olympics and those topics, especially we talked about Naomi Osaka on a certain episode, go back and listen to them if you haven't already. But we also talk there about how those athletes are incredibly mentally tough and it is mentally tough to open up and speak about their mental health. So now that we kind of have that background in place, I wanted to give a more recent example. So uh, when I was competing in snowboarding and one of the big things that led me to walk away from the sport is I was going through a lot of anxiety attacks and panic attacks and not knowing where they came from. And they were extremely scary. 
now over the past few years, especially it's been six years since I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. I'm in an entirely different headspace. I'm very proactive about taking care of my mental health. And I'm very, very grateful that I've worked so hard to be in a spot where I don't get those uh, severe panic or anxiety attacks very regularly. Now, it's been a very, very long time since I've had a severe panic attack. However, yesterday I actually had one and it came completely out of surprise. So for reference, I've been going through a shoulder injury, which has kept me out of competition for the past two years. And recently, after seeing um, a different doctor, my actual sport med doctor, we realized that it could possibly be a torn labrum. And so that being said, I had to go past this original scans that I got and get an MRI arthrogram. What that means is basically before the MRI appointment, they lay you down on this x-ray table, they expose your shoulder. They basically prepare as if it's like surgery because it needs to be all, um, you know, surgically sterile and all those kind of safety procedures. And they clean up my shoulder. They inject a bunch of numbing and local freezing to my shoulder so I can't feel it. Um, and then they basically stick a needle into the actual joint of my shoulder. Not fun, not a great feeling. And they inject a dye that only the MRI can see um, into the joint. And they actually want to inject an, enough that's kind of um, spacing out the joint and creating this pressure in the joint. So you definitely feel it um, when it goes in. Luckily, you don't feel the actual injection part as much because they've already done the more painful part and the hard part of putting in the freezing. So mentally I had been preparing for this and I knew it was going to be tough and painful because I'm someone like most people who doesn't like needles. And so going in, I kind of went in with a mindset of I'm going to do breath work before while I'm waiting, um, doing all these things, especially nasal breathing, slow nasal breathing. And so thankfully, because of some delays that were happening at the hospital, try to look at it as, you know, thankfully, because sometimes we can get in those situations and complain, but I try to look at it in the sense that, okay, this gives me some extra time to work on my breathing because I was actually in quite a rush getting to the appointment after finishing a track session and doing all these things. And so this gave me some time to finally do the breathing I wanted to do to calm down and try to prepare for this appointment. And what I was really preparing for was that injection. I thought that would be the hard part. So I did my nasal breathing, you know, had great conversation with the techs there and people at the hospital. Shout out to all the healthcare heroes out there working over the past couple of years. And um, what you do does not go unnoticed for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I did that. And then getting the whole process, I was able to really kind of distract myself, focus on other things, talk through it and get through it. And I was very proud of myself for knowing proactively that this could be something that could trigger me. I could get, you know, some anxiety around it and I was going to do something to combat it. And so I really felt mentally tough working through that and preparing for that and recognizing my mental health issues. And also, you know, sharing that with the techs that were there. So once I got through there, they whisked me away into the MRI. Thankfully, there was no wait. And so they literally got me in there right, right away, especially since the first appointment was kind of delayed and got me right on the table. Now, I didn't really think anything about the MRI because I've gotten several MRIs before. However, I had forgotten that all these other MRIs had been on my lower body. And also they were at this other hospital where they had given me like goggles to watch TV shows while we were doing the MRI. So it was just a totally different experience because they definitely didn't have that at this hospital. So this MRI was my first one where I actually had to go head in first. And I didn't even like really get a chance to look at the machine. I literally walked in and they just said, okay, you gotta, you know, sit back, you know, my back kind of facing the machine, then lean back, put your shoulder in this thing. So it holds it, put a sandbag on my hand. So I had to hold the shoulder position. They said, can you hold this position for 20 straight minutes? And I said, what other choice do I have? 
Um, and so they said, okay, here, here's a panic ball. If you panic, you know, squeeze it. And then they just kind of started it. And uh, they did give me headphones just to kind of block out a little bit of the noise. Of course, not all uh, the noise, but just to make it a little bit less so it doesn't damage your ears. Um, and the minute that they put me back in that machine and I realized how small it was, I realized that I was claustrophobic and it wasn't something that I wrote on the original check-in. I never thought that I was claustrophobic. I mean, I never really been in a position where I've had to experience claustrophobia and I realized I was definitely extremely claustrophobic. My heart started racing. Um, there was actually a time a couple of years ago where I felt almost like I was on my deathbed. I'm severely allergic to nuts and I eaten one and I was in the hospital and I felt like I was dying. And this brought me back to that moment. I was feeling the same exact way. I almost kind of in my head got brought back to that terrible moment. It was so interesting how, you know, this panic triggered me to go back into that moment. And I just thought I need to pick the panic button. I have to get out of here. Now, in that moment, I also thought, if I do that, I will miss this appointment. Everything is so delayed. You know, what are they going to do? Just make me redo it. At that time, I didn't know that they can give you like some sort of sedative. But afterwards, when I found that out, I realized, you know, you take a sedative usually half an hour before. So I would doubt that they would have even waited um, for that. I would have had to wait months for another appointment. And so I just tried to kind of push through and get it done. And what I did was started focusing on my breathing. And I started counting my breaths and I breathed in and out through my nose and I counted 352 breaths. Now I counted in one, out two. And I just kind of started, I didn't expect to, you know, count the whole way, but I needed it the whole way. I knew if I opened my eyes again, I'd probably panic and need to get out of there. And eventually, you know, the 20 minutes was over and I got out. And I remember walking away from that thinking that was one of my most mentally tough moments. And I've done some hard things physically. Um, but it was, it was really, really tough. And then I started thinking of the stigma of saying that. So I wanted to share, I knew, uh, because I share a lot about mental health on my social media and, you know, kind of my day-to-day -day life and what I'm up to, I wanted to share my social media, that experience and, you know, how important to me, the amount of breaths I took was, cause that's the number that will always now be ingrained in my head, um, and how kind of traumatic it was, but that, you know, practicing that breath work and having known what to do and having those tools available really did help. And hopefully it could help someone else going through a panic or an anxiety attack and knowing that those things really, really can improve the situation in the moment and help distract you and um, all those good things. And then I realized what, what would people think? It was a thought that definitely came to my mind. It's a thought that definitely comes to mind anytime I open up on my mental health. Well, people think that if I'm kind of saying that it was mentally tough to get through this and do this, that you know, compare it to other situations that people have it worse in the world, that people have these other things. It's not mentally tough to do that. Navy SEALs do these other things and um, people on the other side of the world have to do this every day and all these things, right? And the more I sat with that, I realized that is a stigma that is in my head and in the heads of many other people. And it's what holds us back from opening up about our mental health. And it's actually what makes speaking about our mental health tough. It is tough to, to, to push through and experience that discomfort, those thoughts and that stigma and challenge it, and then go ahead and be vulnerable and open and share that. And it was really cool to get all the messages that I got from other people who have experienced the same thing or have, you know, are thankful for me sharing the tool of breath work in, in that situation. And so that was what made it all worth it. But it was interesting that I did still have that stigma in my head that, you know, if I think I'm mentally tough for this and I'm actually, you know, pretty weak. And that is something that we need to challenge and 
overcome. We can be mentally tough and have mental health issues. I will repeat that again. We can be mentally tough and have mental health issues. You are not mentally weak for experiencing these things like anxiety, depression, bipolar, panic attacks, stress, burnout. All these things do not make you mentally weak. It makes you human and we are all human. So I hope that provided a little bit of insight on, you know, an example of something that happened to me, the tool of breath work that can really help in those situations, as well as, you know, challenge you to overcome that stigma. Um, it definitely took a lot for me to kind of put it out there and think, you know, people are probably judging me. They're used to me posting about these crazy physical challenges that I do or these workouts or whatever. And then here I am saying that, you know, getting an MRI was something that was really, really tough for me. But that's what gets us to progress in the conversation about mental health awareness that helps us bring together the notion of um, mental toughness and mental health issues are not separate. They are not um, mutually exclusive. We can be mentally tough and also have mental health issues. And I hope that you can also challenge this stigma in your own life with others that you know. And just, you know, maybe it's something that you're just personally going through, or you thought that sharing with somebody might help them, but you were worried what they might think, or sharing with someone will help you, but you worry about they will think, I hope that this can help you reach out and open up and speak about it because it definitely helped me feel better sharing that experience and getting that feedback and talking to other people about it. And it was something that I was worried about doing because of the stigma of people who might think, oh, maybe you're not mentally tough with these things. So I'm definitely adding that to a list of things that uh, that's up there with mentally tough experiences. I'm very proud of myself for getting through that, but I'm also proud of everyone who had to pay, hit the panic button, who had to get out of that situation. I talked to my mom afterwards and never realized that she had the same situation where she had to hit the panic button and she had to be given sedatives and then retry it. Someone else messaged me and they had to, to do it like five different times. Um, they kept panicking and kept panicking every time and retrying. And I want to say that you too are mentally tough. You recognize that you are going through something and you were strong enough to say, hey, I need to get out of here. I need to recalibrate. I need to try something different. I need to try again. Right now, I am struggling. So just know it doesn't mean because you didn't push through that you're not mentally tough. Sometimes a mentally tough decision is saying, hey, I'm not okay right now. I think we'll end it off there. Uh, hopefully, that's a good way to end it off. Next week, we have an extremely powerful interview um, with an amazing, amazing athlete and mentor and creator who is coming on the podcast. He's extremely motivational. So get ready to get fired up after next week's episode. Again, if you haven't had the chance to hit subscribe, please do so. That helps a ton. The best way that you can support this free podcast is simply sharing it with a friend. That is amazing. Or leaving a review. If you can, a written review that helps us a ton. So thank you so much for spending the time and listening. And I hope you have an amazing weekend and rest of your day. Hey, I think that the greatest gift in life is presence. So thank you so much for gracing me with your presence of tuning in to this episode. Now, something that I would appreciate a ton and would help this podcast keep growing is if you, one, take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your social media so more people can find the podcast and hopefully we can help impact more people. As well as number two is if you can leave a rating and a written review. That means so much. And once again, thank you for being here.